Welcome. You are listening to sermon audio from Day 3 Church in Granite Falls, North Carolina. We invite you to join us online or in person for one of our services. For more information about our church, please visit day3church.org. Day 3 Church, experience a new day in your life. Today we're finishing up the, the messages in, in this series that we've been doing called Membership ID. Uh, next week is actually the end of, of the series, and uh, we're doing a couple of things uh, different next week. One, uh, the service, instead of it being like a kind of full-length normal message, we're going to have some creative elements in, involved in it and some stations set up that will walk you through the, the various focuses that we've had uh, in this series. So uh, I, I don't think you want to miss it. I think it'd be really something uh, interesting for you to be involved in. So be praying about that. Maybe bring people with you next Sunday uh, for, for that uh, aspect of this series. And then uh, next Sunday evening, our small groups are uh, getting together to... Uh, to do kind of like a corporate fellowship time of all of our small groups together uh, next Sunday evening upstairs. Uh, and I want to encourage some of you in your small groups to invite some people with you. If you wonder what a small group is like, we'll actually have uh, some information about uh, the upcoming small groups that will be starting right away and also have some testimonies from people involved in small groups. So uh, we'll give you more information uh, about that next, uh, next Sunday. Today we're talking about being a passionate church member. Uh, in the book that uh, Tom Rayner uh, has written, uh, I Am a Church Member, that our small groups have been going through, the last chapter in the book uh, talks about treasuring church membership as, as a gift, and I, I just called it passionate uh, church member. Uh, where we've been so far uh, in the series, we talked about being a functioning church member, a unifying church member, an unselfish church member, a praying church member, and a nurturing church member. Uh, those uh, last uh, two topics uh, were taken care of by people other than myself. Uh, one on the praying church member, I did the intro to the message, but I appreciate uh, Lynn Crump being willing to share. I felt a little bit awkward trying to talk about praying for church leadership myself, and then uh, John filled in. Uh, last week, and I'll say more about that in a second. Uh, so that's our uh, topic today. Before I jump into the message, I felt like I, I probably needed to stop and talk a little bit about uh, my mom's passing uh, a couple weeks ago. Um, when Lynn filled in that Sunday and talked about being a, a praying church member, he shared with you some of the struggles that I had being her caregiver and had done so for about five years. Of course, Becky, uh, being involved in that too, um, had no idea on that Sunday that the next day that uh, she would be uh, leaving this world. Um, so a lot of you have asked me how, how we're doing. So we're I'm doing pretty good right now. Last week, I probably couldn't have got up and addressed things. I do want to thank you for your uh, words of encouragement, your cards, your notes, gifts, uh, various things <clears throat> during this time. Uh, and I'll probably say a little bit more about that uh, later in the message uh, also. A couple of uh, a couple of things that I thought were unique, uh, and don't hyper-spiritualize this or anything, but on the day that my mother died, um, about four o'clock that day, I had a first cousin, Eric Jennings, that lives in Virginia. 
And he said he was out on his mower, not they needed to mow grass yet, but he had a lot of molehills in his yard. And he was trying to knock those down flat. And about, uh, about 4 o'clock that day, uh, my mom's name was Jenny. And he said he got Jenny uh, on his mind in just the clearest way. And that would have been about the time she would have died and passed. Um, after she uh, passed away, Becky was going through like some food items and things. And uh, she always wanted the, the sunbeam uh, white bread. If I brought wheat bread to her, she'd fuss about it. Uh, I don't eat what she would eat. But anyway, she had that for years. Uh, maybe I should eat it. You know, she, she lived to be 95. I don't know. Uh, but uh, uh, anyway, the bread that was uh, left over had expiration date of uh, March the 9th. Uh, on the day that she uh, passed away. Uh, Jared got back in town on that Wednesday. We went out to eat and uh, went to a restaurant that I had never seen on the menu before, like as a special uh, fried chicken livers. Now, some of you are thinking, thank God they don't serve that in most places. But uh, I grew up when my dad uh, managing a poultry plant, so I had to learn to eat all parts of the uh, chicken pretty much. And uh, my mom, every Wednesday, would send me to Kentucky Fried Chicken because that's their, their liver day. So I thought, well, I, I need to eat uh, chicken livers, kind of in memory of her that day. And I did a uh, day of the funeral uh, after the family had been over to the funeral home for the first few. And we went to little mom's and pop's type restaurant uh, over in, in North Wilkesboro and went in. And on their menu, uh, they had uh, country-style tenderized steak. Uh, I would not be here had I not been willing to eat tenderized steak when I was growing up in pinto beans, too. Uh, I wouldn't have survived. So I kind of uh, had that in her memory. Uh, and, and then also that week, um, Scott East, uh, Scott and uh, Alicia and Zach are members of our church, live uh, about three houses down from us in our development. And uh, Scott Collins said Alicia had made a cake and wanted to uh, bring it down. I met him outside. We were talking and and as he handed me the cake, he said, well, I hope you like uh, coconut cake. And uh, I, I said, well, when I was growing up, um, I, my mother would send me to the hearth with a hammer and have me to uh, bust the coconut open, and she would make it fresh, grate the coconut, use the juice, and everything else. Whenever she would ask me, what cake do you want for your birthday, I would say a coconut cake. So I told Alicia that she nailed the kind of cake. Uh, so, you know, th- th- those are just some memories that I thought were kind of uh, you know, neat little memories that we had. Still have times, you know, after being her caregiver for five years, we're gone, and I'm thinking I'm supposed to call back and check on her, or I think when I first get home, I need to walk down the hall to the bedroom that she was in and check on her. So, you know, that's just a habit. Probably, you know, I have to deal with those things for a while. She so pray for us, but we're doing pretty good, and I, and I want to thank you, you know, for, uh, for your uh, compassion and concern uh, during, uh, d- during that time. Um, as we think about this topic of being a, being a passionate church member, uh, in the book, if you've been reading through the book, he, he draws an analogy several times about how people maybe have uh, the wrong idea of church membership. They tend to view church membership like you're joining a club, country club, organization, uh, whatever the case might be. And I'll say more about what biblical membership is uh, later in the message. But that's not really the picture of church membership because along with that mentality, you kind of join a country club uh, with the idea of entitlements, what you can get out of it instead 
instead of thinking maybe what you can give to it yourself and invest to it yourself. So I think this idea of considering church member a, a gift, something to treasure, is, uh, is something that we need to focus on in this day and time. Uh, more and more, it seems like I will meet people who are resistant uh, of church membership altogether. And I think they're resistant because they view it in the worldly way. They view it as, though, well, you're just making me sign up on a membership role. Well, that's not what really biblical church membership is. And I'll explain that more uh, as I get later in the message too. But instead of it being something we look at, what can I get out of it? And, and don't misunderstand me. We, we hope you do get something out of it, but it needs to go beyond that where you also need to think about what you can give to it, what you can invest into it. I'm not just talking about you know something like money. I'm talking about your life. I'm, I'm talking about your talents, your your abilities, your time, and things like that that you need to be willing to uh, to invest into it. A lot of people say, well, I'm part of the universal church, and that's true. Everyone that receives Christ as their Savior, part of the church or the body of Christ, at the same time, as I've mentioned in the series, a lot of the epistles, all the epistles are written to local churches. And we cannot fulfill what we're told to do in the New Testament just by being part of the universal church because we don't have a way to connect. We don't have an avenue to use our gifts and our talents. So kind of bear that in mind as we, as we think about uh, this idea of, uh, of being a passionate church member. Now, don't misapply that title either. By passionate church member, I don't mean anything improper. Regrettably, that hits the news enough, doesn't it? Uh, neither am I talking about being the kind of passionate church member to where we're so passionate we want to fight and fuss about getting our way all the time. That's not what I'm talking about either. I'm talking about being passionate about, about church membership, passionate about the church that you belong to, passionate about being part of the body of, uh, of Christ. And you might ask the question, why? Why should we be passionate or treasure church membership as a gift? I'm going to give you two main reasons today. First of all, we, we should be passionate about the church because of the pathway to membership. Now, by the pathway to membership, while churches have membership roles and things such as that, and sometimes people will walk an aisle and say, I want to be a member of the church and uh, sign a card and they'll put them on the membership role or do membership classes like we do. You, you need to understand something. Just walking an aisle and putting your name on a roll or just going through a membership class and getting your name on a church role does not mean you're part of the body of Christ. You understand that? It is not like joining any other organization or club that exists in the world. You cannot earn your membership in the body of Christ. You, you cannot deserve being part of the body of Christ. You, you cannot, or at least you should not, be able to buy your way in to church membership. Instead, being part of the body of Christ, being part of the church, being a member of the church comes by a different type of pathway. You're, you're not made part of the church by signing a role. You're made part of the church by the grace of God. Because in, in Ephesians chapter 2, it says, by grace, 
God's unmerited favor, not nothing you do, not nothing you earn, not nothing you deserve. By grace, you've been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It's not about who you are, what you bring to the table. You don't earn your way into being part of the body of Christ. It is the gift of God. And if it's a gift, it's something that you didn't deserve, or it would be like payment to you. If you deserved it, it would be like it was owed to you. It's not a result of works so that no one can boast or brag about it. The the pathway to church membership is not based upon who we are. What we can do is based totally upon the grace of God. So what then is the pathway of membership? Well, it involves several things I'm going to cover. First of all, sinners are given good news. Sinners are given good news. For I delivered to you of first importance. In other words, Paul's saying, hey, listen to what I'm saying. This is really, really important. What I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance, in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, or Paul, then, then to the twelve. What, what is the gospel? What is the good news? I mean, try and answer that in your own mind for a second. Some people will say, well, the gospel is that Jesus died on the cross. That's the good news. I don't know. That's good news. Was it good news to Jesus? Not necessarily good news to me that Jesus died on the cross. Some people say the gospel is Jesus died on the cross and then he was buried. I'm sorry. That's still not good news. Somebody nails me to the cross and I'm buried in a tomb. That sounds like a bad day to me. It's not good news for him or us. Some people say the good news is this, that Jesus died on the cross, he was buried in the tomb, and he took his life back up. Now, that is good news for Jesus. But that's still not good news for us. That's not the gospel. You see, that's leaving out a very, very important part of the gospel. The gospel of good news is this. According to the scriptures, he died for our sins. That's what makes it good news. That's what makes it good news to me and good news to you. He died for your sins. He died for my sins. He died for our sins. And what I'm simply saying is this. If we would fully appreciate what God has done for us in Christ, that he died for our sins, that he paid the full penalty, the full price for our sins, so that through faith in him we can have forgiveness of all of our sins. If we would fully appreciate that, then we ought to be passionate about his body. We ought to be passionate about the church. We ought to treasure church membership as a gift. If we will remind ourselves, the pathway to membership is that sinners were given good news. Jesus died for our sins. Sinners also were given this. They were given grace. We've already read about grace in Ephesians. Romans chapter 3 says, all of sin, all, all of us have sinned. All of us fall short of the glory of God. We can't stack up to the holiness of God and who God is. 
Someone had a little feed going on Facebook yesterday, and it said, God is, and then, then finished the blank. And it was kind of uh, interesting to read some of them. Someone says, God is God, I'm not. That's true. You know, some said, God is love, and that is true. I had to chime in with this God is holy, because that's his primary characteristic. And if we don't understand he's a holy God, we can't even begin to fully appreciate the love of God or the forgiveness of God or anything else if we don't understand that, that he's a holy God. Because he's a holy God, all of us sin, we all fall short of, of his glory. But it says we're justified. If you were here during that long series we did in Romans, that we're justified means that even though we are sinners, God looks at us and he calls us sinless. <laughs> He calls us just like we've never sinned. He reckons that we are perfect by his grace, his unmerited favor as a gift, not something we earn, through the redemption, the price that Jesus paid for us on the cross. Sinners are saved by grace as a free gift from God. And if we would fully appreciate that and think about that, we ought to be passionate about the church. You want to know how much Jesus cared for the church? Look at this in Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5, it tells us this, that that Jesus died for the church. Is that the next slide? Or am I out of order again with you? I'm sorry. Okay. Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Hey, if Jesus could die for the church, and that's what he did, suffer and die for the church, surely we can be a little bit passionate about it. Surely we can live for, for the church, serve in the church. And Jesus died for us, and that's exactly what he did. What's the pathway to being part of the body of Christ? What's the pathway to membership? It's not just signing a role. It's we've been given good news. It's we've been given grace. We've also been given eternal life. For the wages of sin is death. The only thing you can ever earn is exactly that. I said you couldn't earn your way into heaven. You can't earn your way into, into church membership, not real church membership. The only thing we can earn is death because we're sinners. The wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life. How long is that? And that sounds like forever to me. I looked it up. The word means forever. Sometimes people mess that up pretty bad in the theology. It's like you're saved so long, and then, then, then kind of you're not, and then maybe you can be again, and then, and then kind of you're not. You, you know, if you, if you make too big of a mistake, I've never had anyone to tell me, tell me what the level of mistake is you have to make. And the Bible tells us he did everything to pay for our sins. To start with, it's already covered under the blood. It doesn't give us a license to sin. But the wage of sin is dead, but the free gift of God is eternal life. In Christ Jesus, our Lord. God gives us a gift of eternal life. We who are dead in trespasses and sin. He died on the cross for us in order that we might have eternal life. And if we would fully appreciate the gospel, if we would fully appreciate all that God has done for us in Christ, it ought to position us in such a way in our hearts and in our minds to where we're passionate about the church, we're passionate about the body of Christ, both globally, universally, and locally. We ought to be passionate about the church if we would think about all that, that God has done for us. 
Also, sinners are made into the very righteousness of God. For our sake, he made him. He, talking about God the Father, made him talking about God the Son. For our sake, the Father made the Son to be sin who knew no sin. The only sinless person that ever existed. The gift from the Father to him was a sin of all of mankind. The gift to us from the Father is that when we are in him, when we are in Christ, when we trust in him, we might become the very righteousness of God. Man, what a statement. You, as far as God is concerned, are the very righteousness of God if you know Christ as your Savior. Now, I understand wrestling with that concept because a lot of times I don't feel like the righteousness of God. Do you? I am still human. You're still human. I still make mistakes. You still make mistakes. I, I do. So many times I may not feel like the righteousness of God, but that doesn't negate the fact that God tells me that as a believer, being in Christ, I've been made the righteousness of God. What's he talking about? I think it might have something to do with this. God's a completely holy God. He made us, but because he's so holy and he knew up front we're going to be sinners, it would be not very righteous or very right for God to make us, him being perfect and holy, and then, you know, saying, oops, you can't have nothing to do with me. You're messed up. You're a sinner. No way you can make it in heaven. Look how messed up you are. See how unrighteous that would appear. Instead, what he did was this. Perfect holy God made us fully knowing that we would sin. And he provided for us what we cannot provide for ourselves. And sending his son to die on the cross for our sins. So that when we trust Christ as our savior, you and I are the very picture and the very image of how right God is. Of the very righteousness of God. Because God did it the only way that it could be done. He provided salvation for us freely by his grace through nailing his son on a cross. Paying for all of our sins so that through faith in him we can have everlasting life. And when we have that everlasting in life, then we are pictures of the very righteousness of God, that he so saved us. And if we would think about that, if we would fully appreciate and value what Christ has done for us, that's the pathway to membership. It's not some membership role. It's not some membership class. Churches can have those things, nothing wrong with those things, but you can go through a thousand membership classes and walk a hundred thousand aisles and sign your name on a hundred thousand membership roles. And if you have never experienced the grace of God, you are still not part of the church. But if we have experienced the grace of God, we ought to so appreciate what he's done for us that we're passionate about his body. We're passionate about being a member of his church, both globally and and locally, because we've been given good news, because we've been given his grace, because we've been given eternal life, because he's made us the very righteousness of God. We are treasure church membership as a gift. Second 
main thing you need to get today is this. We should be passionate about the church because of placement into the church. And I know that might sound strange, so I'll unpack that as we go. But according to the New Testament, God places members in the body as he chooses. Just like he designed our human bodies, God's the one that figured out we need hands and we need feet and we need eyes and we need all this to function the way they function. That same God, using the illustration that Paul uses in the New Testament, that same God is placing into the church body the members as he chooses, as he sees fit. Now, I understand from your perspective, you might be thinking, well, hey, I, I chose to be part of whatever church I'm a part of. I made that decision. Some of you probably think you found God too. And the Bible clearly says there's no one that seeks for him, no, not one. From our perspective, we might think we were seeking for him, but guess who made you seek for him to start with? He did. And you might feel like that it was all your decision to be part of the church, but from God's perspective, he's the one that's working in your heart and working behind the scenes, and he's the one that ought to place you in the church. And, and I'll, I, I, mean, I said this in the first service, not even in my notes uh, at all. Uh, I said it near the end of the service, but it just comes to mind now, so I'll just say it now. You need to let God place you in a church, and if he's not placed you in this church, you need to let him place you where he wants you to be. You need to be placed where he wants you to be. And there's a reason for it. We'll talk about that in a moment. So I'm of the opinion, I think the New Testament is of the opinion, the Apostle Paul is of the opinion, that just as meticulously as God designed the human body, put in the pieces and the parts where they need to be, God is also meticulously building the church body placing people in the church body where they need to be because God knows how he wired them. God knows how he's gifted them. God knows what they're passionate about, what their heart is about. God knows the abilities that they have. God even knows the good and the bad experiences that they've had in their life that he can use within the church body. God is as the great designer, the same one that spoke creation into existence, the design, the, the massive universe and everything that's out there in the cosmos. That same God is also the great designer, not just of our bodies, but of his church body. And he's placing people into the church. But as it is, 1 Corinthians twelve eighteen. God arranged the members of the body, each one of them, as he chose. Now, two things about that. First of all, the placement has a purpose to it. Placement with purpose. The purpose of God designing the various parts of our human body was not just so they would hang there and not do anything. The, the purpose of God placing people into the church involves more than placing someone into the church so they'll show up 
and Christmas and Easter. The placement of God placing people in the church involves more than them showing up a couple of times a month. As far as that goes, the placement of God placing people into the churches he chooses goes deeper and farther than someone showing up every time the doors open. If all you do is come and sit down and occupy a place. The purpose of God is to place you in a church body and use you with unique abilities and talents in the way he made you. God wants to place you with a purpose inside his body to, to serve. I said earlier I'd explain a little bit more about what biblical membership is. Biblical membership is not a role. It's not joining a club. Biblical membership is this. You see, we, we've, we've got it messed up with a modern type mentality of joining a club. That's not what it is to be a member of the church. To be a member of the church is this. You have a functioning part of the ministry in that church and God has put you there for a reason God has placed you there so you can serve and honor him and glorify him in the various ways that that he's made you instead of looking at membership for something that you can get out of and as I said earlier I hope you do get something out of it but but it needs to be so much more than that. It needs to be you getting something out of it, but then whatever you get, you're passing on to the next person and to the next person and to the next person and to the next person. You're investing into the lives of others. You're allowing God to use you in the life of someone else. It's about what you can put in to it also because he placed you are the purpose in the church. We've already read this passage earlier in this series, but in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 27 through 29, together you're in the body of, you are the body of Christ. And each one of you is a part of that body. In the church, God is saying, then he gives a list of, of apostles, prophets, teachers, uh, God's given a place to those who do miracles, those who have gifts of healing, those who can help others, those who are able to govern, those who, uh, who can speak in different languages. But I don't want you to focus so much on all the various gifts that, that are there as you need to focus on this. Each one has a purpose. Each member has a purpose. Each member has a role. God's placed you there for a reason. Each member is placed there with a purpose. Earlier, I read just talking about the grace of God, the part that we love to talk about. Oh, I'm saved by grace, by faith, and it's a gift. But we need to keep reading. Because it does say by grace we've been saved through faith. Man, that's great stuff. And it's not of our own doing. It's a gift of God. It's not a result of work so that no one can boast. But it goes right directly on in the very next verse, in verse 10, and says this. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You know what I'm afraid we do? 
I'm afraid we hear about us having a purpose or responsibility or something to do in local church ministry, and we take it as something negative. Having to serve Jesus, we take it as something negative. We take it as, oh, I've got to do something. You see, that's our problem. That's the wrong mindset. Look at what that verse said. For we're his workmanship, he made us, created us in Christ Jesus for good works. Notice this, which he prepared beforehand. Man, that's not a negative thing. That ought to be a a wow type thing that God in eternity past knew you, knew how he would make you. He planned things that he wants you to do. Instead of it being like a negative thing, I've got to do something, I've got to serve, I've got to work at church, it ought to be a wow factor where we say, man, I can't believe it. God has things for me to do. God has things I can do for him. God has things I can do to serve others. I can serve together with God for Jesus. It ought to be a a powerful thing, an an awe-inspiring thing in our lives, not a negative thing because he planned it beforehand. Let me say that we should walk in them. So if he planned it, we ought to be walking what he's planned for us. And some of you are thinking, well, I would if I, if I could figure out what it is. This might not be the best way, but this is one way that I found out in, in my life over 30 years of ministry. I know he wants me to do something. I have found out if I start out on something, I figure out that's not it. I can, you know, I follow my face doing it. I can stop doing it and I can start doing something else until I find the right thing. The, the thing that he made me for, the thing that that I have fulfillment in. Now, you know, that's the easy way for me saying that. We're in the process of redesigning our membership classes, things like that. We'll have a a class to help you figure out, you know, what your uh, gifts are. And we're going to kind of streamline some of those classes to where within about two months' time, you can go through the whole nine yards and be ready to serve and finding out what you're doing. So you pray for us as we we continue to work uh, at those things and, and, and on those things. But, man, it ought to be a powerful, positive thing that, that, we, that we get to do something for Christ. It's an opportunity. It's not, a, it's not a negative, legalistic, I have to do something. You understand the difference? If we just view it the right way. Membership involves placement. It involves placement with purpose, but it also involves placement with Connection. We ought to be passionate about church membership because God has connected us together. Go back to that body illustration that we've talked about so much in this series, just like God connected the various parts of our body together with with cell structure and and, and veins and arteries and ligaments and everything like that 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 holds us together. God has connected us together. Yes, as the universal church. Yes, as the the church as a whole. But you see, we can't function in that capacity. We don't have an avenue to function in that capacity. But through a local church that the epistles were written to, in a local church, we have avenues of service, avenues of, of functioning. We have avenues of purpose. And we have connection with each other. 
to where we can love each other and care for each other and be concerned for each other. 1 Corinthians 12, 24 through 26, but God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it so that there may be, so that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. We, we notice in those verses it doesn't have eyes and knees. But it does say one another and together. Do you see that? We get off base, off track when we make it about the eyes and the knees. Instead, it's about each other. It's about one another. It's about together. We're, we're to care for each other, suffer with each other, love each other, minister each other, rejoice with, with each other. It's not about you, as we said a lot of times during this series. It's not about me, but it's about Christ, and it's about one another. It's about being together. It's about others. We've already read this one also, but this is kind of like a wrap-up to the whole series, but Matthew 20, Jesus looked at his disciples and he said, you're not supposed to be like this. You're not supposed to be like you're overlording each other, uh, trying to rule over each other. But whoever will be great among you must be your servant. Whoever will be first among you must be your slave. Even as the son of man came not to be served, but to serve, to give his life a ransom for many. You see, we're connected together. We're to serve each other. We're to, we're to reach out to those that aren't even part of the body yet. He gave his life a ransom for many. A lot of times I think we think of serving being a glorious thing. And I think it always is. But maybe in a different level or perspective than you realize. It's not just about titles or positions. Over the last couple of weeks... I've been very thankful that I was part of a body of Christ. That I was part of a local body of believers who cared for us and loved us in a lot of ways. But being a servant is not always a glorious thing, although the end result is. The day my mom died, there's a restroom right across from her bedroom that she used as hers that all of a sudden that day because of the amount of people we were having in and out needed to become a, needed to become a guest bathroom. And one of the ladies in our church, without me knowing it till after she was already doing it, had gone down to that bathroom and had, uh, had I guess maybe asked my wife where our cleaning supplies were and had, had taken that, that, that special seat that we had there for my mom to make it easier for her to sit down and get off the toilet and, and moved it over to a different room and, and, and cleaned the toilet and cleaned up that bathroom where it would be more presentable for guests. That doesn't sound very glorious, but it was to me. I think it was to Christ. Then a little bit later, I'm in the house and I look out and I see a, a couple from our church out in my yard and they've got a rake and a shovel. And I kind of look, well, what, you know, what are they, 
what are they doing? You know, I, I didn't know I had any gold to dig up in my front yard or anything like that. And then I saw what they were doing. They had a big shovel and they're raking up dog poop. Wintertime, it doesn't go away quick as it does in the summertime. And a lot of times, I don't have time to walk them around the corner. And I've got two dogs. And a lot of times, they'll go in the front yard. But since my two dogs are female dogs, every male dog in the community comes and joins in in my front yard. And yet, they're out there and they're getting that up because there's going to be a lot of people walking back and forth. Doesn't sound too glorious. Serving and getting down to help people where they are might not be too glorious. I understand that's a that's an extreme illustration, but it was a blessing to us. And I think God viewed that as much as ministry as He views me standing here this morning as ministry. Because we're connected together. Remember that. Remember this glorious pathway to membership involves God's grace, the the, the power of the gospel. Remember how God places us in a church body and how we're connected and we ought to love each other and care for each other. Remember that before you ever allow yourself to become frustrated and upset with other church members. And you ever start to think in your mind or even communicate, because I've even heard it verbalized during the time I've been in the, in the ministry. Someone say, well, I can't stand that church member. I can't stand that person there. I, I don't even think I can stand to be in the same room with that person or don't put us in the same room or anything, you know, like that. Hey, before you ever start having that kind of attitude, you better remember something. Jesus died for that person just as much as he died for you. And you're part of the same body of Christ. Well, if that's the case, then I'll just go join another church somewhere and, and then I don't have to be around that person. Okay, that's fine. Good luck when heaven comes around. Because you're going to spend all eternity with that person in heaven. We need to think about things like that before we communicate in such a way and act in such a way toward, toward, toward other believers. See, real, real fulfillment in your Christian life is not found if you're all the time judging and upset and being critical or jealous over somebody else. Fulfillment in your Christian life and in the life of, in your church life is not found by just transplanting yourself from one body to the next body to the next body to the next body. A lot of people do that. You can transplant yourself often enough and hide in the shadows and not ever be called upon to do anything or expected to fulfill any kind of ministry if you just transplant yourself here, there, here, there, here, there. That's not where Fulfillment will be found. Fulfillment will be found in you serving your purpose where God has planted you. That's where fulfillment can be found. So we better get over pettiness as church members. 
and jealousy and acting like school kids. We need to be passionate about each other. Passionate about the pathway to church membership. Passionate about loving each other and caring for each other. Remember, it said one another, not I, me. Remember, it says together. Remember, we're to serve others, suffer with others, love others, rejoice with others. And as we do those things, I think we'll discover something. If we will do those things, we'll discover that we've got a passion for the body of Christ we never realized. We'll discover that we can treasure church membership as a wonderful gift from God. Tom Rainer, in his uh, chapter this week, a couple of quotes I want to read from him. One uh, says this, that a lot of people take ministry as a prison sentence. (laughs) It's not to be like that. It's to be an opportunity. He said membership means that we have the opportunity to serve and give rather than the legalistic option to do so. It's not a legalistic obligation. It's not a country club perks. It's not license for entitlements, but it's a gift. It's a gift from God. It's a gift we should treasure with great joy and anticipation. What do we normally do when somebody gives us a gift? We, we normally show appreciation for it, don't we? Now, some of you are thinking, well, not if you've got some of the gifts I've got. I understand that. I've been on the receiving end of some gifts like that, but you lie at Christmas time through your teeth and say, that's the very tire, the very socks I've been longing for. <laughs> but you see, in this instant, the gift is not suspect. In this instant, the gift is exactly what we needed. The pathway to membership is God's grace, the good news, eternal life, being the very righteousness of God. It's exactly what we needed. So the gift is not suspect. What might be suspect is how we respond to the gift. If we respond with appreciation for all that God has done for us in Christ, then we ought to value and treasure church membership as a gift. We have this thing we call an invitation at church. During this invitation, if you have never trusted in Christ as your personal Savior, all the things I talked about earlier, that's the pathway to church membership, all those things are not just for these people that already believe. All those things are for you. God has good news for you. Jesus died for your sins. Good news for you. It's by grace. It's not because you can earn it or deserve it. You can't. So by grace, he'll give it to you as a free gift. Eternal life is a free gift. Make you the very righteousness of God freely 
when you receive Christ as your Savior. If you've never, ever done that, why not today? And also during this invitation, it's a time for you to personally reflect as a believer, those who do know Christ as their Savior. It's for you to personally reflect on how you value, how you appreciate, how you treasure being part of the body of Christ. Maybe you need to make a commitment today to do more, to be more, to love more, to serve more. All we ask is you listen. Listen to the heart of God during this time and you respond to his his heart. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you for being part of a church body. I thank you for the price you paid that I could be part of a church body. The pathway that you provided. Father, I pray if there's anyone here today that does not know Christ, give them the faith they need right now to trust in him. Thanks for listening to this sermon audio production from Day 3 Church. We pray that it has ministered to you. For more information about our location, service times, or other sermon podcasts, please visit us online at day3church.org. Day 3 Church. Experience a new day in your life.